Welcome to the Bust and Seeds Podcast, episode number 66, special pseudo-Christmas morning episode. Christmas week episode. It doesn't have to be the morning. Well, we're recording in the morning, yeah. so it's a, it's, a, it's a morning episode. This is our honorary Christmas episode, I guess. It's just the one that happens to be releasing around there. Honestly, the one the one we really cram in, in between Christmas and New Year's always feels like more of the Christmas episode. Yeah, this is the freaking go-home for Mayhem. Can we talk about that? Does this feel like a go-home show? No. Did it, but did it make you want to go home? Let's just say this is the third time we have tried to record this podcast this week. The other two times we were just like, fuck it, we're not doing it. I had a bad day at work. We went out for a drink and I came home and went to bed at 7.30. Yeah. We were going to record at 7.45 and uh, I got a visit from Emily at like 7.50 going, the fuck, dude? So it's not always me that derails this podcast. just want everyone to know that. So today we'll be talking about the November 15th, 1999 Monday Nitro, live from Little Rock, Arkansas. When are we going to get the finals of the Nitro Girls? <laughs> we did last week, but we didn't, we didn't get, get the winner. No, we did when not. When do we get that? Never. We know we do. You know, I, I remember thinking that while we were watching it, and then it left my brain. Now you put it out. Yeah, they didn't mention it at all this not week. Not once. But we do get a Nitro Girls segment during this, so where I was like, oh, okay, this is where they'll they'll say something now. Segment is giving it a lot more than it needs. Look, it was given time on television. Time being 10 seconds. So before we get into the actual episode, let's just mention the rating. I remember we were saying last week, this is the first Raw after Austin got hit by a car. Right. Raw did a 6.3, this show did a 3.1. Yeah. It's still doing in the threes. Which is shocking. It's strange to compare the, this to the numbers now, because the numbers now are way lower, but television is also substantially different. Right. Yeah, We. Can, it's not really the same kind of game anymore, because I'm sure that, like, Raw Now was only getting, like, in the threes or fours. I think Raw Now is getting in, like, the ones and twos. Really? Yeah. Well, it's just... No it, one watches TV. Everyone well, watches, like, It's also the that. There's, there's substantially more channels than there were in yeah. 1999. And I, like many other people... Kind of just watch some YouTube clips, and I'm like, all right, there we go. I still like watching the shows if I have, like, the time to devote to it. I still like watching the full show, but it's three hours. It's on channels that I don't get on basic cable, because Lord knows I'm not paying for premium cable shit. So sometimes I catch SmackDown, but that's on a Friday night, and it's three hours. I can't, I don't want to do that. Relatedly, there was a really, really, a really good match on SmackDown last night that we will eventually watch. Yeah. But that's part of the other problem is if I, if I miss it, I'm like, I don't think it goes on Peacock for like it a doesn't. week after. It goes on Hulu first. Yeah. And then Peacock Which gets I think it. They, that deal just vanished, but I don't Did know it? about these things. I don't remember. But uh, it was uh, Gunther versus Ricochet in like oh. a 20 minute match. It's probably very good. I like one of those people. At one point, apparently, Gunther uh, counters a drop kick with a chop. I don't know how you do how that, do but you I do that? I know, but I want to see it. I want to see how he does it now. I'm trying to, I'm trying to visualize it. Did he chop his foot? I don't know. Maybe. Just chop his ankle out of the air. I do so, love me some Ricochet. Don't love me some Gunther. That's the spiciest take you've had on this show. Is it? Is yeah. that the spiciest take that I don't like Gunther? Yes. Really? Everyone wow. likes Gunther. I don't like big meaty men. That's not a hot take. Well, you want to get into this actual Nitro? No, I'd rather talk about the SmackDown that we didn't watch, honestly. This actually was a better show than the last two weeks. It was, but it definitely had its lows, and those definitely overshadow the highs. Yeah. I'll put it this way. I don't feel like there is a clear... Well, no, that's right. That's a lie. Never mind. I'm not going to say. I don't feel like there's a clear worst bit. And then I'm just like, uh, yeah, there is. Yeah. There 
really is. <sighs> it's very clear. Well, the show starts with the Nitro opening, opening Pyro, and Tony and Bobby check in. They kind of have bailed on uh, the like video package beforehand. Like, I feel yeah. like that's, that, that's n- the cold open. Not really a thing. Or like one or the other, but like they, they kind of now just like, fuck it, let's just get right into it. Yeah. They check in, like, just we don't even see him. We go straight to our first match. It is Screamin' Norman Smiley versus Emily's Knight in Shining Armor, Jimmy Hart. <laughs> I didn't know I needed this match. We did not want to sit down and watch this show. There were a couple... T- Again, getting here, getting to this recording session was a slog because we sat down to watch the show and then something... Ha- I don't even remember. And we just decided we weren't going to watch it. And then we were going to watch it separately. And then finally, when we sat down to watch it together, we were just like, oh, we're fucking here, whatever. And then this was the opening match. We're like, oh, this is going to be okay. We'll I, be okay. I do need to note because it wasn't expressly said. The reason I said... It's, it's Emily's knight in shining armor. Is Jimmy Hart does come out in a knight's armor? Yes, it's like hokey. Not even like it's like a, it's like a Halloween costume. Yeah, like it's not anything that they actually wore. You know, it's it's I don't know. He also comes out with a shopping cart full of weapons, and by comes out, I mean you know one of the PAs kind of pushes it, like hands it to him once he's like down on like, like ringside. It's our first uh, surge watch of the night, though. Yes. We get the surge cooler again, which really doesn't get used that often, just kind of gets seen. It does. It makes its presence known. Surge, it's bright green. How do you miss it? Surge coolers should be seen, not heard. <laughs> we gotta find ourselves some surge. No, we don't. Yeah, we do. You've literally said we don't before. It's not good, but I feel like we talk about it on a weekly basis here, and I feel like we should drink some. It's like the Slim Jims. So, this is a hardcore match. Norman's using some weapons on Jimmy Hart, but they have no effect on Jimmy wearing his armor, much like using Sludge Bomb on a Tinkaton. Literally, as this was happening, I looked at Nick and I'm like, write your Pokemon joke. See, that one's at least even more clever, because that one's a steel type. I'm so proud of you. We get a big wiggle from Norman, but then he gets powdered. No, not the powder. (laughs) And get a trash can shot and more powder. Hart works over Norman. No, not that Hart. Jimmy goes for the big wiggle, but gets rolled up. Then Brian Nobbs runs out, hits Norman in the head with a chair, but Norman kicks out. I think we should be calling him Jimmy. I think that makes it easier. Because when you say heart, I think Bret Hart. Like what you just said. Yeah. And I think we should just call him Jimmy. <laughs> Nobbs sets up a table on the floor. Nobbs also distracts Norman and, and eventually works him over. Jimmy misses Norman on a table and sadly crashes through it. It's like the most it's slow so motion sad. dive. It's It's like It's like when you watch... So, when you're like swim training kids, when you're teaching kids how to swim and you're trying to get them to jump off the edge of the pool into the water, and it's just like that sad little leap. Yeah, because he, he leaps from like the apron yeah, to like the, yeah. the table on the it's, floor. Just it's like, like, the, it's like the, the table is dad's arm saying, jump to me, you'll be fine. And he just leaps. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we don't know how heavy that armor actually was that may have impacted uh, maybe, it a little bit. Maybe, but come on. So Norman pins Jimmy. And then uh, Brian Knobs just brutalizes Norman with weapons as he screams. <laughs> he is such a good screamer. Knobs loads Jimmy Hart into, into the garbage bin and wheels him to the back. It's like, oh, okay. This wasn't good, but was just what the doctor ordered. It really was. This this actually like, gave me some hope for the episode. This it was It was amazing. It was not good. It was amazing. Yes, I think that's the best way to put it. <laughs> amazing doesn't mean good. I was amazed by the match. I it's, love that this match existed. It's one of those it's one of those matches that comes up a lot on on here, which is a look, don't seek this out, but if you're watching this one, do not skip it. Don't seek it out, but if it becomes like a recommended video to you on YouTube and it just sort of autoplays, let it autoplay. 
So Tony Schiavone then throws to the tournament matches for tonight. It's going to be Bret Hart versus Billy Kidman, the total package versus Sting, Chris Benoit versus Scott Hall, and Jeff Jarrett versus Buff Bagwell. Which, like, okay, it's like a tournament, like, quarterfinals. It's not a bad It's not group, the worst, not yeah. It's a bad group of eight. Like, you, you, you have... I mean, I, I hate to lump Buff in with them, but I feel like you have gotten rid of a lot of the faff of the tournament. Yeah. And then also tonight, Rick Steiner versus Sid is going to happen. Woo. So while Tony and Bobby were talking about the uh, tournament, or it's like, you know, doing their like start of the show, like we've got a show for you tonight, whatever. There was a guy behind Bobby that was leaning over and like reaching his arms out just like a little too close. And Bobby turned around, and, like gave him like a look, I think twice. And the guy just didn't stop. So security came over, and as soon as security came over to like kind of keep everybody back, the booze that came from that that part of the crowd. Did you hear this at all? I was listening to the matches. Well, did you notice that like Bobby? Maybe you were just writing it all down. Bobby's like kept turning around, and once this guy got like told fucking stop it, the booze. It was like guys, be decent humans. This guy's just trying to do his fucking job, and you're waving your arms in his face, and then you're gonna get you're gonna boo security for telling you to fucking stop it. Yeah, especially because. Because this is after he got hurt, right? Yeah, I was saying, especially because Bobby has a whole, like, neck thing. Yeah, where, yeah come I, I on. Think I, I think I showed you the clip of uh, of Ryan Pillman just, like, grabbing him by the neck and Bobby just, like, yeah. like losing his cool. going, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, oh. Literally, yeah. Like and it's sailor, like, Mr. Heenan. Be a good person. Like, it's, it's not that hard, but it is hard, clearly. So the other matches tonight is Goldberg versus Kurt Hennig in a retirement versus contract match, which we'll talk a bit about in a minute. And then the Filthy Animals versus the Revolution in some weird kind of cage match where you have to shackle. Okay, your... yeah, I didn't hear the stipulation to this match before it happened. I think they just said, like, in a blank cage match. They didn't go like through the sh- details. Like a shackle cage match? No, it was something even, it was something vague where I'm like, are you putting together what the rules of this are while the show's going yeah, on? Yeah, probably. Let's go backstage to a Mike Tanay interview with Kurt Hennig. And they're like, all right, Kurt. If you if you beat Goldberg, you get a new contract. But if Goldberg pins you, you retire. And it's like, yes, if I get pinned, I'm out. If my shoulders are down on the mat for a one, two, three, I'm out. I can't get pinned. I can basically lose any other way. They don't say this part, but So do you think he got pinned? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Jesus, you are uh you're telegraphing it. Actually it wasn't a bad promo from from Kerhennig. I mean, he rarely yeah. does a bad promo. Yeah. Um he basically promises, like, look, Goldberg's a hell of a competitor. He's fucking Goldberg, but like, you know, I'm gonna put up a fight. Right. It could have been a good match if it was like a real match. But we'll get to that later. Also backstage, Kimberly asked Terry Taylor about something. Who's Terry Taylor? He's just one of the backstage producers. How do you know his name? He's famous in wrestling. It, I've never heard the name Terry Taylor. Uh, he had a gimmick in WWF for a little bit called called the Red Rooster. I don't know anything about any of this. <laughs> Honestly, I think my introduction to the Red Rooster, and people will definitely relate to this, is he had long blonde hair, and then he had like a really shitty red mohawk for like a rooster in the middle of it. For a couple years in the SmackDown versus Raw games, if you wanted to make Chris Jericho from that time, that was the closest hair. But you'd have the to red de- mohawk. Well, because the rest of the hair was perfect for him. There was no other hair that was close. So it was like, okay, do we give him like hair that doesn't match at all, or do we just put up with the fucking random mohawk? Because it wasn't even the era of like, okay, you can change the mohawk color. Like, no. Right. It is red. 
but he's like a famous like just like think like Bruce Prichard kind of you know Pat Patterson Gerald Briscoe at this point he's kind of famous for being around yeah okay never heard the name before but she asked him for something I this was mostly inaudible yeah then we stay backstage we get Scott Hall and Kevin Nash walking through the backstage and Kevin Nash has prosthetics and wigs to look like Sid Vicious and I went oh it's this one understand what's happening with kevin nash these last couple weeks i don't know did he just like go into a party city because we're around halloween was he in the spirit halloween and was like this is it i don't think spirit halloween was around in the 90s in 99 i don't know i'll look into that he bought stock in party city maybe but did he just go around a halloween store and be like i have found my true calling and it's costumes and impressions and is he trying to like come up with a, a, a job after wrestling is he trying to become like is he getting his tight five you know Is he trying I, to find his comedic edge? You know what I'm realizing ironic now? So they did the uh, Vince McMahon prosthetic the other week. Yeah. We, in the upcoming weeks on WWF television, they're about to break out about 40 Vince McMahon masks and have people just randomly wear the masks. Is that because of... I don't think so. It's it. There's it's a whole thing with the it's in the Vince Triple H. Um, no, I remember because people would wear George W. Bush masks and they would in the in the crowd thinking that they were Vince McMahon masks. Oh, you thought they were? Maybe 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 it was or, me. Or maybe it was vice versa. I think they were Vince McMahon masks, and you're like, why are they dressed like George Bush? Maybe yeah, it might have been that. But I yeah, I remember all this. Okay. Yeah, I'm realizing it would have to be that because George W. Bush is not president at this time. That's a good point. But anyway, yeah, Vince McMahon Mass is about to be all over WWF television. Amazing. I hope Kevin Nash got royalties for that. I know he didn't, but I would love that he did. Yes, he got royalties off somebody else's face. But he started it. No, he, he didn't even wear a mask. He, he kind of did. So let's keep staying backstage. Mike Tanay asks here. Spice about AC Jazz. Spice is like, yeah, she's just like not a Nitro girl anymore. She like no-showed and she said she quit or something. And, and she's just not a Nitro girl anymore. Yeah, and, but then there's, there's there's a brawl. Yeah, Jazz just appears out of I didn't think it was Jazz. Nowhere. I thought it was like somebody else. I assumed it was Jazz. It was so fast. I don't know. I, 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 I think it was. it was basically there's about to be a Nitro girl war. <laughs> Nitro civil war. <laughs> Who needs Avengers civil war when we have the Nitro girls civil war? I'm like 90% sure that was Jazz. AC, AC Jazz, Kimberly, and Spice. I'm sorry. He's my friend. So was I. Someone make that edit. <laughs> don't don't bother. Someone make that edit. So Hall and Nash then come out to the ring. Hall- Nick, at this point, Nick is like gasping and squealing like a little kid. It's like a kid who just caught Santa Claus or something. It's like, oh my God. Oh my God. It's going to happen. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, man? New US champion Scott Hall does not wear his belt to the ring. Who fucking cares? I did write state of your impression, mate, in terms of Nash, because... His McMahon impression was a lot better. I think it's just easier to slip into. Yeah, I agree. Because the the Vince McMahon one, you can do a lot more casually. A Sid Vicious one, you need to go all out. And Kevin Nash is not willing to put that effort, you know, in. So Hall says the outsiders have a message for Sid. You're as dumb as you look, and I've got the proof right here. And he gestures to Nash. Nash then mean mugs and says he's the ruler of the world. Then also says, if I could walk and chew gum at the same time, I'd be the U.S. champion. They continue to mock Sid about being dumb until he comes out. Sid says he's had enough of the outsiders. And then he says his famous line. But you know and I know that you're only half the man that I am. And I have half the brain that you do. 
This prompts Scott Hall to immediately corpse. Like, not even try to hide it. Oh, no, there was no hiding. I feel like Nash and Hall have kind of given up on, like, trying to be professional. <laughs> yeah. We also get a shot of the uh, spooky fingers from, from Hall that you really oh, liked. Oh, iconic shot. So good. Do you think this this was a, a slip up by Sid or did they give him this line? Oh, I think it was a slip up. Yeah. I think he misspoke. Honestly, I thought this segment got a lot like more derailed from that line because they just kind of move on. I was like, that was it? Yeah. See, that's why I didn't really understand your reaction because like it was it was on par with the rest of the ridiculousness of this show. Fair. Sid challenges Nash's chicken shit ass to come out of retirement. Sid then calls Nash a shell of his former self, which I guess really hits home because we get that match later. This was a weird segment that would be completely forgotten if it wasn't for the one line. Agreed. But Kevin did still pull the whole, I'm retired. Yeah. I'm still retired, man. I can't fight you. I'm retired. Which does really take the wind out of a retirement match when it's like, yeah, I just, uh... Now that I'm retired, I just want to be. Versus yeah. at the time, it was like, no. I I'm don't re- want to retire. Just just do a Hogan versus Nash. Loser has to give all their salary to charity. Don't fight like hell. Okay, yeah, that <laughs> would really do it. Even if they just had to like make a donation in their names to charity, I think that would do it. Rey Mysterio gets your contract. Rey Mysterio on a pole match. <laughs> just put Rey at the top. That's how we do paternity on a pole. Put the baby at the top of the pole. <laughs> Careful with that. We'll talk about why you don't do that in, the, in, the, in our pole match later. <laughs> Let's go backstage. Mike Tanay interviews Booker T. He's facing Patrick and Gerald of Creative Control. To which I was like, who the fuck is Patrick and Gerald? It didn't even click in my brain until I was reading something else. It's Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe. Do you get it? Do you get it, Emily? The Nazis have names. So Booker T cuts a promo. He talks about midnight striking, and it's a pretty good promo here. He keeps showing mm-hmm. good fire, and I'm like, push this man. He's, he's a good talker. You did have the theory of um, midnight being the name of the woman from last week. I still stand by that because we don't know her name. I think you're right. Am I? I think hey. so. I, well, that, that's the vibe I got from this. Well, because, yeah, when we'll talk about the match. Mango elsewhere backstage. Kimberly visits the powers that be. We fucking love backstage this week get a randy savage slim jim ad slim jim i'm curious when we're gonna stop getting these but i guess you can't really note when something stops happening yeah because i like i'm sitting here thinking about the jersey boys yeah that that threesome has just like evaporated and we didn't note it until just now when i'm like where the hell's canyon so we get the continuation to kimberly and the powers that be she complains to vince russo her options are apparently to shake her booty or to wrestle she has a match tonight against Asia, and there will be a special guest referee. Nash comes in as we cut away, and it's like, all right, what was that about? Yeah, basically, if you're not a Nitro girl, you're a wrestler, and you have no other options. We then get the Booker T match advertised earlier. It's Booker T versus Patrick and Gerald of Creative Control. Quicker goes to go to the ring and gets held up for a minute by Chavo, just trying to sell him something. I Okay, I thought that he was tasked with selling merch, like WCW merch. I found out later that I'm wrong, but that I couldn't tell like what he would be selling other than like. It seemed like, it seemed like, you know, like brass knuckles or like, but I, I don't even know if it was that coherent. It was just rambling. I don't think it's coherent. I think that he's just like being an obnoxious salesman, like a door to door kind of guy. I think that's his new character. Listen, I I love the man, but you're telling me Chavo Guerrero is not comfortable doing promos. He has a really good gig going now. Does he? He's basically become the like go to. Oh, in 2022. Yes. Okay. He's basically become like the go to like. If you're doing a movie or show that has wrestling, you hire him like as the like the like wrestling coordinator. Oh. Yeah. 
So on commentary, Tony notes the powers of B have waived Nash's retirement. And then Tony notes, that was a lame angle anyway. Stop breaking the wall. The wall is shattered. No, the wall is later. Go fuck yourself. That wall is also shattered. <laughs> no, he's not. No, the actual wall. Oh, yes. <laughs> too many layers of this joke. It's like an ogre. Like an onion? So so later tonight, it's going to be Sid versus Nash and anything goes match. And I'm like, wow, you're going to wipe out his retirement with like, you know, for like a, a 90 minute build. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm sure that match will have a clean finish too. So. Oh, I'm sure it'll be a great match. Like, go down in history. Creative control work over Booker. The crowd does get behind Booker here. And again, I'm like, I know you do, but push this man faster. Booker drop kicks both men, hits a scissor kick, and, and then a spin a Rooney. Still We're not still called Still not that. called a spin a Rooney. The joke's going to be on us, and that's going to be a WWE thing. And it'll never be called I a mean, spin a Rooney. But I stand by, it looks better when they're not screaming, Ah, spin a Rooney! It's a better move when they don't call it a spin Rooney. The name hurts it. Missile drop kick to one, but the, the pin is broken. I have no idea which one's which. Oh, yeah, and I don't think they ever um, specify either. We get a double Uranagi from Creative Control, and they get the pin. Then keep beating down Booker, but the lights go out, and a bell strikes midnight. When the lights come back up, the large woman from last week is in the ring and hits awful punches. She's so built. Why can't she throw a punch? Well, you're throwing a worked punch. That's that's why. She's so good, though. Like she, Well, she looks good. Honestly, would those guys fucking throw it for real? They can take it. <laughs> also... Booker has to like direct her, like we're doing our spot. Get over here because I need you for like this like double hip toss or whatever we're doing. I wonder if she used to be like a bodybuilder with Asia because they have the same level of like workability. I'd say Asia's a little bit ahead, but she Asia's is... gotten a little. I bit guess better. I mean I guess she's, yeah, when she's... she started. She was terrible. Yeah, we remember that. She just came out on the ramp and like posed like she was a bodybuilder, and she <laughs> posed in her nurse's now. outfit. What? Said posed in her nurse's outfit. Oh, I... oh fuck! She was the nurse. I forgot about that. Yeah. I'm thinking about when she came on the ramp with like. Um, Flair and the Horsemen. She came out as a, as a nurse for a good couple times there. She, yeah, I remember and then, her being and, Mick Ric Flair's nurse when that whole angle was happening. Yeah, they just kind of dropped some of that. Some of that. Would you believe it? The character was inconsistent. What? Uh, match itself wasn't bad. I mean, it was, you know, it's a handicap match. Creative control are like pretty, like, C-level workers. Yeah, they're guys. They're guys that have taken some wrestling classes. Well, I mean, they've been around for a while. Where have they been? They've been well. They've had just multiple different gimmicks. But what was she? Oh, yeah. True. We'll we'll chat about this a little later because they all get brought up backstage. The first family argue about the hardcore title, and this will come up later because I didn't realize it. But Jerry Flynn and the Barbarian apparently challenge each other to a match during this segment. Okay, so yeah, this was fucking weird because that what happened. What you just said happened in the background. Yeah. In the foreground, an entirely different conversation was happening. In yeah. the same shot, two important conversations were happening. I could not make heads or tails of what the fuck this was. Also, Goldberg is here, and then we go to Vince Russo's room, which we need a name for. The room so. No, it was stupid. <laughs> the dungeon of room. <laughs> which is just a room. <laughs> we'll, we'll work we'll, on we'll it. We'll workshop that. To be fair, by the time we have it, Vince Russo will be gone for the first time. There's too many we will get a break from Russo, and then he'll come back stronger than ever. I remember. So I remember when somehow we first started Vince this Russo podcast, has returned. When we first started this podcast, it was right after we had finished the Death of WCW book, which I'm looking at on our bookshelf right now. And when we started this, Nick was like, "Okay, well, you're just gonna have to pretend that you don't know some stuff because, like, we all we just read about it in this book. You just gotta pretend when it happens that you don't know." I don't remember what the fuck was in that book, and I'm realizing now that I don't think I actually read that book. To be fair, we listened we listened to it via audiobook while we were both working. 
So Creative Control gets scolded by Russo, still doing his Dr. Claw thing. We have not seen his face. And Russo references their old gimmicks, seemingly as threats. It's like, you want to go back to being the Blue Brothers? You want to go back to being DOA? It's like... This is such an in-joke. It's not even an in-joke. Or in-reference, I guess. It's just saying things. It's just so... If you don't know, you don't know. Also, he's doing this as a, as a threat. And I'm like, wait. The threat here implies that you intentionally wrote them to be shitty when you were running things in the other company. Right. So... Are you just acknowledging that you're bad? So you're either confessing to sabotaging them in the other company or... You're saying, I can't write. Both are true. <laughs> yeah. So, this I assume this is not going to go anywhere. Speaking of things that I assume are not going to go anywhere, uh, Evan Courageous with Medusa versus the referee Johnny Moon. To which both of us were like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, because he doesn't get an entrance. It cut to him in the ring, and I'm like, who? Who's this jabroni? I usually like to think, I'm like, oh, okay, he looks familiar. Or like, oh, I know this guy, but I know Emily's not. This was like, Because he help. was like wearing black pants, no shirt, had such a generic face. Honestly, I thought he was wearing a white tank top, but yeah, neither neither thing would surprise me. But it was just so generic that I'm like, I have no idea who the fuck you are. And then commentary doesn't say who he is until like the match has already started. Yeah. The two throw hands. Commentary mentions that at Mayhem, Evan Courageous will face Disco Inferno. And it's a weird, like, double things on the line. I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is because it's for the Cruiserweight title. And it's also for twenty five grand. where I guess the loser's going to have to pay the winner. But I'm like, is it title versus money? Or is it... Right. Or if Disco loses, does he also have to give up twenty five grand? But this is also the first time we're hearing about the money, right? It, I mean, it, it's continuing the Tony Marinara story where but... Disco owes money. So... This seems like Disco being like, oh, hey, I'll give you a title match, but if I win, you basically have to pay off my debt. So we're just kind of inputting backstory here as to why the fuck Tony Marinara is here. Yes. So we are creating the kayfabe for the writers, essentially. You yeah. just you just wrote a storyline that is never mentioned. Well, it, it was implied. But you but well, they didn't ever Well, Tony last week was saying, I need my money. Yes, and he said that the week before as well. But you Wait, no, saying, no, wasn't that just last week? No, I think it was twice. I think we've seen Tony Marinara twice. Oh, true. Yeah. True. Sorry, but, we, we only knew him as Tony Marinara one week. <laughs> but you just said that it's implied that, that Disco created this whole, like, if-then scenario, which would be good writing to, I, I mean, to that's understand the... why Tony Marinara is even there, but it's not ever said. So you just wrote the show better than the writers. I mean, the fact that there's the money on the line, to me, there's no other reason other than that storyline. So to me, that makes it, it's... It, it makes, makes sense, sense, but wrestling fans in the 90s were not going to put that together. I'm saying sometimes things need to be implicitly written out, and it weren't. I think the commentary does make some sort of mention about the money thing, too, but they, they don't spell it out quite as Yeah, clear. I think it needs to be spelled out. Early into the match, Medusa and her boobs try to do commentary. I love her own commentary. She's so sassy. I, think I was going to say, I, I know the word I said, try to do commentary. Well, she's mostly just watching the match and fawning over Evan. But, like, her demeanor and the way she talks, amazing. Love her. Yeah, she likes Evan Courageous and has nothing interesting to say about this match. But did you notice how hot the crowd was? I think I was too busy being apathetic to this match. The audience was so into it. I wrote, I do not care for this match. Evan Courageous works over Moon. Medusa gets in the ring and pulls Moon's shirt over his head. And this, like... Causes him to, like, die? 
Doesn't she shove her boobs in his face? I, oh, no. What happened is she gets in the ring. Johnny stares at her boobs. That distracts him enough for her to pull his shirt over his head. And then he goes comatose. Yeah. So her boobs put him to sleep, basically. Yeah. She hypnotized him with her boobs. I was, gonna, I was trying to make a, po- a Pokemon reference in my head. I couldn't get there. She used hypnosis. It's super effective. Her boobs used hypnosis. Although hypnosis cannot be super effective because that is a status move. Shut the fuck up, you nerd. Although I was going to say, hypnosis is like only 60% accurate. Would this be Spore, which is 100% accurate? <laughs> Maybe. So that's the match. What? Why? Why? Boobs. <laughs> I love, Medusa really has grown on me. I really love her. I think she knows exactly who she is and what she's doing. And I think she's doing it remarkably well. I think she hates what she's doing. I love her. Never forget that the way she came into WCW was by bringing the women's title over and throwing it in a trash can. She's iconic. Or I am obsessed with her. I have become obsessed with Medusa. I fucking love her. I, I realized exactly how how many of the like wrestling channels and things I listen to are like British. Oh, most because, of them, yeah. Because everyone calls it she threw it in the bin. In the bin. And, chuck and, it in the bin. Should be chuck it in the bin. Should be chuck it in the bin. And I'm like, I've like almost started just referring to that as like, oh yeah, she threw it in the bin. I'm like, no, she threw it in the trash can. No, she she threw it in the trash. Yeah. So let's go backstage. We go back to the Russo room, and uh, he chats with the cruiserweights. See, now that you said it, I like Russo. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I was gonna cut that. I guess I can't now. No, I like Russo. <laughs> go to the Russo. I don't know why I wrote the cruiserweights and Hoovy. I think it was just like <laughs> I I recognize Hoovy, and then I'm like, okay, I think that's El Dandy, Silver King. Um, Jack O'Lantern. No, he wasn't even there. I don't know. I don't know who that is. Oh, never mind. I'm misreading my own notes. It was Chats to the Cruiserweights and Hoovy has a pinata. Because stereotype. So this is the pinata on a pole match. Fuck me. <laughs> Inside the pinata will be a check for $10,000, which like... That's, that's not chump change. That's pretty good. I was going to say, look, if you're going to, you know, have me insult my own culture... At least give me some fucking money. Well, at least one of us, yeah. Yeah. And Russo pretty much closed the segment out with, go get me some ratings. Ugh, disgusting. But this is an iconic match. For the wrong reasons. I was obsessed. And it's for the wrong reasons because of what we get next. We get two people arriving into the arena. I don't want to talk about this. It's Dr. Death Steve Williams, and alongside him is fucking Oklahoma. So before we get into the horrificness that is Oklahoma. You talked about Dr. Dusty Williams coming over, I think in our last podcast. You're like, oh, you remember that name. You'll you'll need to know that moving forward. Well, I mentioned it because he got fired last week. Was it just last week? Yeah. Fuck. And I was like, I guess there's not a non-compete clause. I guess not. Yes. And so I was reading up on this a little bit. So first, Emily, can you describe the Oklahoma gimmick? Do I have to? Just to give it some context. So this guy comes out in... Jim Ross cosplay, it is It is Ed Ferrara, one of the other writers. Ed Ferrara comes out in black button-down, black pants, black cowboy hat, which is a good Jim Ross cosplay. He's wearing glasses. Good Jim Ross cosplay. Unfortunately, he takes it a step too far, and he has contorted his face into making it look like he's had a stroke. If he had taken that element out of it, this would have been awesome. This would have been funny and tasteful. Oh. Like, I think it would have been funny. Not tasteful. I think it would have been funny. But because they brought in that element of it, it's fucked up and this should never have happened. Yeah, and so I've been reading into this a little bit because there's some mixed reports about whether or not Steve Williams kind of, you know, I I need some work, so whatever, I guess I'll do this. Versus Steve Williams being an active participant and being 
fuck yeah, let's get that old man. Like, I guess I don't know enough about Jim Ross to know, like, did he honestly fuck people over or was he just a cog in the Vince McMahon ploy? He's a cog, but he is a powerful cog. I mean, this with Steve Williams, it, it definitely seems like Jim had to be the one to tell him, but Jim was on his side and like nobody else was. <sighs> what happens when when they build a tournament around you and you lose right and so it's like yeah it's it's kind of vague you know how much of this should be on steve williams because apparently one of the other masterminds behind this gimmick and we found this out it's fucking tony shivani yeah what the fuck because apparently tony shivani fucking hates jim ross which I again don't think, i need to i need context i don't think i realized well that was for like oh he, he got replaced by jim ross once like 10 years before this and then I guess it makes sense because when WCW dies, Tony Schiavone ain't making the, the jump over. No, he does not. Does he go right to like TNA, I guess? Or does he not show uh, He up? doesn't do much to, in my brain, he doesn't do much anything. Well, he's on AEW now. Yeah. So he gets back into the business. There was this whole thing where it was like, it, like before AEW where it's like, Tony Schiavone's now a Starbucks barista. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Anyway, let's um, let's move on because we'll have more to talk about with all this in a We're minute. We're getting a little derailed. Also backstage, Creative Control trying to find Tori Wilson. Let's go to the pinata on a pole pinata match. Pinata on a pole! I don't know why pole matches entertain me so much, but they never go well and they're fucking hilarious every time. Now, you know the old thing of uh, if a tree falls in the wood and no one's around to hear it? Did it make a sound? Yeah. If a pinata on a pole match happens and the pinata immediately <laughs> falls, is it, a, is it still on a pole? <laughs> This pinata literally falls in the first 30 seconds. I literally watched the beginning of this match again right before we sat down. It's probably it's probably almost exactly 30 seconds in because El Dandy gets um, like whipped into the corner and him hitting the corner where the pole is is enough for the pinata to fall. I'll tell you how early it is. The main point of this match is for Steve Williams to come out in Oklahoma to hop on commentary. It happens before, before that. that. Yeah. Yeah, because it falls, and then everyone just kind of brawls, like, fuck, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? But the best part of this match is these wrestlers very clearly do have spots that involve the pinata. So they're still going up to the corner, and they grab the pinata, and they hold it up like it's still, like, attached. Honestly, you're giving them too much credit like it's still attached. Half them are holding it at, like, chest level, like, uh. Well, it's something to do with the pinata or whatever. They're still trying to incorporate the pinata, but it's like, guys, just have a match at this point. And no one goes for the pinata? It's on the floor. No one even tries to, like, bring that into play. No, because clearly they have this match slightly rehearsed. And it's like, well, we can't sure. We can't just kill the match. Slightly rehearsed, but we can have some room for improv. Steve Williams and Oklahoma come out. Oklahoma cops on commentary doing a full Bell's Palsy impression. Horrible. Doing the JR sound, you know, you're talking sound bites, son. And oh, it's so just annoying. Just kind of shouts the whole time. But it is a funny impression. Like, if you take the Bell's Palsy out of it. What he's saying on commentary is funny. It's a good impression. It's just he took it a step too far with the facial impression. He also just, I don't, he just doesn't let up through any of it. Not. You're right. He I'm does like, like take it a little too I, like, far. I really regret it. I'm like, we get it. Jim Ross is a person. Like. <laughs> he doesn't know when to stop. There's no subtlety. I think no. is really what it is. It's just. I don't think that they wanted it to be subtle. No, they didn't. <laughs> I wrote, fuck this match and segment. Everyone keeps trying to put the pinata back up. The crowd actually seems to care about Hoovy. Like, they're, they're still behind him. They, they are. Because, like, he hits a people's elbow and it gets a pop. These poor luchas did not deserve this. Steve Williams comes in, attacks everyone, takes the check. I feel so bad for these luchadors. Like, this would have been shit without the Oklahoma impression. But with it, it becomes infamous. It does. 
it was a funny match to watch. Like, I would watch it again just for the humor. Yeah, like, watching it on mute. Yeah. Like, the fact that... The the only comparable thing I can think of is there's a match in, you know, early-ish days of TNA where... It's a ladder match where, as opposed to the belt, they have the contract. Mm. And the contract falls almost immediately, but the clipboard stays up, and it's like, ah, you need to get the clipboard. It's a clipboard on the pole match. <laughs> it might, actually, it might have been a pole match for all the hell I remember. Maybe it wasn't a ladder match. But, yeah, it was like, oh, the contract's down, but you have to get the clipboard. Right. The contract is null and void until it's on a clipboard. <sighs> I will hype you up for something in the far future. There is going to be a, a San Francisco 49ers match. It is going to be a pole match where there are four poles, one in each of the corners, and they all have they all have a, a box, and there's something different in each of the boxes. What does that do with the 49ers? Nothing. Then why is it called a San Francisco 49ers match? <laughs> because it was in San Francisco. Why is it called a 49ers match? <laughs> no one knows. To this day, no one knows. Okay. So Steve Williams has the check, and this is the segment. Fuck you. Let's just move on. Mike Tanay interviews Goldberg. Goldberg says he respects Hennig, but wants to win and do his job and show some good fire of like, like no, I want to go out there and kick somebody's ass. Let's like, kick somebody else. We, we didn't go to commercial, come back. Mike Tanay is now interviewing Kevin Nash. Mike Tanay is running all over the place. Kevin Nash says this place sucked, and now that Hall is back, he's ha- he's willing to return. Oh, no, he said, like, I, sa- I didn't want to return because it was no longer fun, but now that Hall's back, it's fun again. Yeah. Something along those lines. He also says he's going to crawl up Sid's ass and kick his teeth out from the uh, from the inside. <laughs> like, what? Interesting way to say that, Kev, Kev. <laughs> Maybe Kevin Ash is going to pull the Ant-Man Thanos theory. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I shrunk the outsiders. So let's go to Goldberg versus Kurt Henning. <laughs> we get a great moment of... Uh, Iconic. <laughs> Goldberg's doing his entrance, and he goes to walk through a door, and the door gets slammed right in his face. And Kurt Henning's like, aha, I've I got, got him. him. <laughs> He did it a little too early because Kurt Hennig then opens the door. Goldberg's just standing there, extremely pissed off. Like, how dare you even fucking try that shit? Haven't you people ever heard of closing the goddamn door? He did hear of that. He tried it. No, it's much better to face these kinds of things with a sense of poison rationality. But just the look on Goldberg's face was priceless. Like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? That said, I'm glad someone eventually tried that. Like, yeah, you know. That was amazing. It made Kurt Hennig look like 80% smart. It was like, look, I appreciate the effort. 80% smart, but then 20% cartoon villain when he tried to reopen it. And like, yeah, it's like he should have done the Wile E. Coyote legs of just like, get out of there. Pull up the little umbrella. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I don't think the Wile E. Coyote legs. No, whatever it is where the cartoon, like they go up in the air and their legs start spinning really fast. And then, then they go. Is that why that's Wile E. Coyote? No. Who am I thinking of? I don't know. I know the thing you're talking about, but it's just general cartoon. Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, Wile E. Coyote would, st- would sit there and take that fucking bump. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's basically the the inner West Texas redneck and Kurt Hennig came out. It's like, no, you are still, you still have ha- you still have that uh, comedy in you. <laughs> so they brawl through backstage towards the ring. They appear on the ramp and the bell rings. I'm like, yeah? Sure. There? They eventually get in the ring and Hennig stomps Goldberg. He actually works over the leg, the leg of Goldberg for a little bit and... Locks in a stretch, not a not a hold, a stretch, and keeps working over the leg. Goldberg gets fired up, locks in a leg submission of his own, and Kerr Hennig taps out. But he wasn't pinned. Yes. So he's not fired. Yes. Immediately afterward, Goldberg hits a spear and a jackhammer. It's like, no, 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 just, just to be clear. Just to be clear, fuck you. Yeah. So, yeah, Hennig didn't get pinned, but this was overall lame. Yeah, the, the door segment was the best part of this. Yes, absolutely. I love that. 
Backstage, Kimberly talks on the phone, and she is talking to DDP. I was like, I was wondering if that was going to be a mystery, and it's no, like... No, I, I figured it was DDP. The lights go out, and she's like, oh my god, I'm going to get murdered, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan is there, and it's like, oh, the fuses in, in this building are awful. It's like, why do you know all about the fuses in, the, the in li- this building? Yeah, I've only been in once for like two days. Yeah, because like when you were here as a wrestler, probably at one point, you weren't here as a janitor. Exactly. So yeah, Hacksaw's here, and he's like, oh, there we go. I'll, I'll fix this up for you, ma'am. Good guy, Hacksaw. Filthy animals arrive backstage. Like, dude, the show's almost over. You have yeah, a cage match in a little bit. Creative control demand Tori, and um, they're like, oh, we don't know where she is. And it's like, how about you have her appear or you're fired? And it's like, oh, Tori. Yeah, we know her. Stupid. Chavo sells Hacksaw a fuse. Don't know why, ha- why Chavo Guerrero has fuses, but okay. He's just selling whatever, whatever you need, he's got. What are you buying? What are you selling? We then get Vampiro and the Misfits versus Berlin and the Wall, and he's finally called the Wall. Talk about some fucking nightmare fuel with the fucking Misfits, though. There's a lot going on here. Oh my god! I know you um, compared them to Team Skull and Team Yell. Yeah. Honestly, it screamed more uh, Batman Beyond the Gang of the Jokers. Yes. They just have like one piece of hair down the front of their face. It's like a wedge of hair, greased to fuck gelled to fuck like this thing's not moving they really want to be background extras during the time warp yes it's astounding so how else would would, would this match start except with a usa chant is vampiro the face just because he's american he's not even american i you want to hear something wild always he is not mexican i am wrong about this emily he's canadian what the fuck (laughs) you're very wrong he is billed from being from Mexico, though, and made his career, like, in Mexico. Okay. He was born in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. Okay. Which, what a great fucking name to be. Like, Thunder. How, how are you not going to bill somebody from Thunder Bay, Canada? Thunder. So we get a belly to belly of Vampiro, and the wall shortly tags in. One of the Misfits tags in, and the wall just kills everybody. I mean, are you shocked? Did you think that the Misfits had any wrestling capabilities? Not really. Vampiro fights off both men, but gets hit with a spin kick. We get a suplex dropkick combo, but Berlin wants the pin when, when the wall goes for it. And it's like, oh, dissension. Dissension. Berlin then points to the corner and the wall spite watches as Vampiro, like, as Vampiro works over Berlin and, and hits a nail in the coffin. Berlin mad. Berlin hits a powerbomb, but the wall breaks up the pin. Vampiro then rolls through. Berlin th- real mad. Vampiro then rolls through a pin attempt, but the wall chokeslams him and pins him while staring down Berlin. Berlin then works. Do you think Berlin and the wall are going to break up? <laughs> and that's all for the podcast, folks. <laughs> Good night. There will be no encore. <laughs> Berlin works Vampiro over with a chain after the match because they have a chain match in Mayhem. Yeah. Why? Great question. He also fucks up a choking spot where you can, like, it's like, ah, let me choke him by not having this wrapped around Anywhere at all. around his neck. It did get us for a second when he was pretending to choke the wall. But as soon as they changed the camera angle, it was, like, very obvious to the point where Nick, Nick was just like, oh, shit. Oh, never mind. This actually wasn't the worst match. It was serviceable. I mean, I'm fine. fine. I'm fine with, you know, it basically like, hey, look at the wall murder a bunch of people. Yeah, it was fine. Not the worst. Not offensive. I will say it did make Vampiro kind of look like shit because it's like these guys are actively like basically breaking up in the middle of this match and yeah. you still lose. Right. Can't say I'm excited for that chain match though. I'm not excited for a lot at Mayhem. The, the tournament matches should be good. Yeah, we'll see. 
Creative Control escort Tori into Vince Russo, sorry, into the room, so. Thank you. And Goldberg is still here. Tori complains about not knowing how to referee, because apparently she's going to be the ref for the Asia versus Kimberly match. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt in saying he planned this before the show. But Russo throws a referee bikini at her. Yeah. Why did he have that? It's <laughs> a great question. But what's funny is what he said after he gave her the bikini. Because he's like, you know, it's all about the ratings, whatever. And then he tells Tori to go have a cream soda. Like, what? Why? I know it's not. A, it, I know. Oh, my God. We have so much left. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. I know his accent is real, but it sounds put on. I know he's from New York. I know he has a New York accent, but oh, my God, does it sound big. All right. We got to start working through these. I just saw how much we have left. It's going to be a long episode, folks. But again, the next match is Rick Steiner versus Sid Vicious. The two brawl around ringside and through the crowd. Sid hits Rick while yelling he doesn't want this. We get a low blow to Steiner, and then Sid powerbombs Rick through part of the stage and then just leaves. And um, That powerbomb looked pretty brutal, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was like a well-done kind of like stunt, but it was like, oh, yeah. So that's Rick Steiner written that's off it. a little bit. Yeah. Where's Scott Steiner? Where the hell is he? He had like back surgery. Remember when we saw him and he oh, wasn't right. Scott Steiner? Yeah, he was just Scott. So yeah, Sid just kills him, leaves, and then we come back from commercial and he gets like fully stretchered out. We see him get in an ambulance. I kept expecting this to like go somewhere. It didn't. No, just that's Rick Steiner gone yeah. for a little while. Joke's on us. He'll be back at Mayhem. <laughs> We're going to go backstage. Mike Tanay interviews Sid, kind of going, what was that all about? Sid says the millennium is upon us, and he has 2,000 ways to retire Nash. He also shouts that the night has just begun. And I uh, just want to note, millennium is not upon you yet. Okay, it's fucking November of 1999. The millennium is upon us. Technically, I forget where I was listening to this. Millennium doesn't start till 2001. But 2000 is, is marked as the new millennium. Yeah, it's, be- it's better marketing. Oh, shut the fuck up. No, legitimately, it's a whole thing of like... The millennium doesn't start and like, the, 2000 is the final year of the last millennium. No, I think it should be opposite. I, I don't agree. Think, I don't think this is a marketing thing. I just think that people are, you know, have different belief systems, I guess. I don't I, know. Well, I'm saying it was really good marketing for everybody in 2000. Are you telling me the 1900s started in 1901? Are you telling me the 2000 started in 2001? That's stupid. Yes, it is stupid, but that's how... No, that's not how that works. You're telling me some units of measurement don't make any sense? I'm saying that this unit of measurement has a very clear right answer. <sighs> Emily, you want to take us through our next match? No, I'm good. You sure? You can probably take it, take us through it in the same detail that I would. I didn't even take notes on it. Backstage, so Jerry Flynn and the Barbarian brawl in a boiler room-like room. It's just a brawl. Flynn knocks out the Barbarian, I guess. I didn't even note this, note this as its own thing. I said, Sid shouts, Nash tapes up, Flynn meets Barbarian in the basement, they brawl. They, wrote, that's they, everything. I wrote, they brawl, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Okay, cool. Yeah, Flynn knocks out the Barbarian with a strike that doesn't look like it would knock him out. And I'm like, okay, weird. Let me get Mike today interviewing Chris Benoit. He he says he wants to be the best, and he's admittedly, he's close to doing it. Like, he wants to be the world title holder, and he's working his way through this tournament. I mean, he's right, I guess. But the only note I took of this is Benoit basically says, I'm going to win. That's it. We then get Asia versus Kimberly with a special guest referee, Tori Wilson. And... In her teeny tiny bikini. Holy Jesus. Oh my God. This is the tiniest bikini. I was a big fan of this match. I'm sure you were. As were all the other bro, dude bros in the audience. Asia taunts Tori and they brawl. I was afraid that there was going to be a nip slip, but there was a point where the um, the bikini kind of slides to the right a little bit, but she's wearing something underneath, which is a smart move. 
He's wearing like a tighter sort of like tape up sort of thing underneath. So Kidman comes out and covers up Tori. Kimberly locks in a sleeper on Asia, but Asia gets out of it. I hate that everybody booed Kidman for covering Tori because like, yes, it's supposed to be a heel move, but she's very clearly uncomfortable. He's her boyfriend. He's helping her be more more comfortable. To me, that's a good guy move. Fucking who? Kimberly chokes Asia with her gear. And I'm like, Kimberly's actually showing some good, like... She does good in this. It's like, I'm going to kick She's this scrappy. girl's ass. But David Flair comes out in a referee shirt and a crowbar. Oh my god, with the psycho eyes. Kimberly bails. Asia attacks David for some reason. Yeah, why? David then suplexes Asia. I mean, I guess the revolution... No, the revolution didn't even... I was no. like, in my brain, I'm like, the revolution left Rick Flair in the desert. No, that was the filthy animals. No, there's no reason why Asia should be mad at David, as far as I know. I mean, he came and fucked with the match, but that's like yeah, the that's right. like the most I got. Yeah. Yeah, David then suplexes Asia. Shane Douglas comes in and gets hit with a crowbar, and that's it. What was the point of this? I'm so confused. I have way more <laughs> questions. Than answers. The question's leaving this match than I really thought I would. Right. In Asia versus Kimberly. Right. We go backstage. Sting is given some flowers, but he declines. Lex Luger and Liz are stumped. Like, we don't know what to do. Like now. he won't take our flowers. I'm. I don't know what to do. I've tried everything. Considering the two are trying to fuck with Sting, I'm wondering: was this like a fucking like Joker flower where it's gonna like spray acid? You are like on that Joker thing today. <laughs> it's the second reference. We also see Goldberg is still here again. He's just hanging out at Crafty. He just wants the free food. I respect it. Kimberly runs out of the building and David yells at her about their match on Sunday. Which, why is that a match? We then get a tournament match and we actually took a break here. This is our day two. This is starting of day two. Day two was substantially better than day one. It was. It is Scott Hall versus Chris Benoit. Scott Hall has Kevin Nash with him, so Bret Hart comes out to be in Chris Benoit's corner to kind of like even the odds. I swear to God, Chris Benoit has a different theme here. I think it's the same one. I- We'll have to go back and check, but I swear it's different. It's still not good, but Hall throws his toothpick at, at Benoit, so Benoit snot rockets him. And then they're off to the races. Benoit out-wrestles Hall, but Hall gains the advantage, but then gets a little cocky doing the head slaps. <laughs> I do love the head slaps. I think they're funny. Nash gets on the apron, but is just told, get down. Get down. Hall dodges a Benoit elbow, but Benoit hits a, a snap suplex. Pretty standard action, but God, is this refreshing. I'd be like, oh my God, a wrestling match. Right? Nash interferes and plays dumb when when confronted. It's very much just like a, like, again, the standard thing of like, oh, I, I didn't do anything. I'm talking about it. It's like, you were just in the ring, sir. <laughs> Hall hits a last call, but Benoit kicks out. We get a sleeper from Hall, but Benoit starts to come back. Nash punches Benoit right in the face, right in front of the ref. And I'm like, DQ? And he just keeps going. And the, the ref is staring at this happening. And we're like, okay, guess that's fine. The ref does end up getting distracted. Sid comes out, power bombs Hall right behind or behind the referee's back, so yeah, doesn't so see Sid it. Yeah, so Sid at least is doing this behind the ref's back. We get a diving headbutt from Benoit, but Nash interferes, so Benoit can't get the pin. Hall goes for a brass knuckle shot, but Benoit turns that into a crossface and gets the win. This was a good match. It was. This actually was really refreshing. And it, I, I think it, weirdly enough, even for somebody who got a lot of help, it, I think it made Benoit look really good. It did. Because it's like, you managed to beat Scott Hall, which one is, you know, that, that's... That's a big deal. And you managed to beat Scott Hall with Kevin Nash constantly interfering. Right. And you could argue you beat him twice. True. So, yeah, some good momentum for Benoit going into the tournament. Or going into the pay-per-view. Yeah, no, this definitely was, so far, the best wrestling match. Backstage, Goldberg is brooding. As he does. Then get Mike today interviewing Buff Bagwell. 
Buff says that he saw the script and he's not going to lose to Jarrett. And oh, is it a work or is it a shoot, Emily? I don't care. Yeah. As long as it's entertaining, I don't give a shit if it's a work or a shoot, brother. Stop, stop making me want to care. Or stop trying to make me care. Yeah, stop trying. It's not working. Try something different. Then go to our next tournament match. They really like threw all these back to back to back. They really did. It is Kidman with Tori Wilson and the Filthy Animals versus Bret Hart. Bret starts on offense. Kidman dodges a sharpshooter attempt but gets catapulted to the floor. Kidman does get some offense, but the outsiders come out to look at Tori's ass, basically. Yeah, I was expecting more fuckery about this in this match, but it's not much. The outsiders and Filthy Animals brawl. Kidman goes for a Hurricane Rana, but Brett counters it and turns it into a sharpshooter. Which was amazing. Oh, like fucking butter. Oh, so smooth. Kidman taps out. Brett gets the win and advances in the tournament. Everyone else brawls as Brett leaves. He's like, come. Brett's like, I'm done. I'm not involved in this. I've done my job. I'm out. Uh, No mention of Tori Wilson and Kevin Nash's previous, like, interactions. No, we're just pretending that didn't happen. During the break, the outsiders just beat the hell out of the filthy animals. As you do. This match could have been great. It just wasn't given enough time. Exactly. I think it was given four minutes and it felt even quicker than that. It was. It could have been so beautiful. I mean, with the time they were given, though, it was a great match. Back in, like, January, if you had told me we're going to get Bret Hart versus Billy Kidman, I'd be, I'd be like, like fuck yes. Gimme. And here I'm like, oh, okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, the filthy animals have really ruined Billy Kidman for me. It's so sad. <sighs> I don't know if he gets redeemed, admittedly. Then go backstage... Liz and Lex ask the, the chef who works in the building for some brownies. Like, okay. I don't know why when you said it like that, I immediately envisioned the Swedish chef. <laughs> Listen. It wouldn't have felt out of place. I, I don't remember if that raw, is any, that raw is any good, but wrestling needs more Muppets. They really do. The only thing I remember, remember about that Raw is that canonically, Seamus is related to Beaker. That, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Like, that is, like, that is, they, they never retconned that. No. That is still canon. I love it. Oh, my God. Elsewhere backstage, Mike Tanay interviews Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett calls Tanay slappy. Yeah, why? Slap nuts. Yeah, why? Because he's Jeff Jarrett. I don't get it. He's the chosen one. He has stroke. Yada, yada, yada. And he says, I have friends in high places. I'm like, yeah? Who, who is the high place right now? The high place is pretty low. So you're saying he has friends in low places? So yeah, Jared doesn't say much, and fuck me, it's time for Buff Bagwell versus Jeff Jarrett. Let's go! Oh, man, I, Let's um... Let's go! I really wanted to give Jeff Jarrett a chance, and he's just coming in on, like, the worst note. He really is. I really saw him in real life. Yeah. I bring it up every time, because I still can't believe that fucking happened. Buff Bagwell versus Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett pulls Buff out of the ring. Back inside, Buff works over Jarrett. We get we get the buff pose, which I feel like we haven't actually seen in a little while. No, we haven't. At least done non sarcastically. Creative control comes out. Buff hits a swinging neck breaker. They try to distract the ref, so so Jared's able to hit his guitar shot. The ref is like tying his shoe as a form of distraction. Yeah. Like like he's clearly in on it. Buff gets the guitar and hits one of the Harris brothers. Jared then strokes Buff and gets the win. Can we talk about how loaded that guitar was? It had like pink insulation in it. <laughs> yeah. Like, usually these just explode into a cloud of baby powder, but this one had, like, filling. Also, did you notice uh, Buff's roid belly is looking a little prominent? Yeah, I, I think my brain noticed it, and I went, he's, he's been like that, but yeah, the no, roid it's, belly. It's a little more than usual, I think. So the other Harris brother who didn't get hit comes in and starts working over Buff. Everybody gets in on it. So then Dustin Rhodes makes the save. Oh, God. Seven to the rescue. 
You're the team of Buff Bagwell and Dustin Rhodes. Fuck off. Ooh, that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be some ratings right there. Ugh. It's gonna be hard for me not not to want to just like fast forward through that match. If you're wondering how I feel about this match, just realize it was Buff Bagwell versus Jeff Jarrett, and I don't really need to say anymore. Right. Anyway. Backstage, Nash paces, Goldberg visits a surge machine and headbutts it to get a surge. Which, like, great. This should have been a surge commercial. Like, this would have been perfect for that. Yeah, except I don't think you want to advertise people to headbutt your machine. But if you get a commercial with Goldberg doing, like, a Goldberg move to a surge machine to get surge, like, it's good. It's good marketing. I think you need to, like, have somebody try it first and, like, like hurt themselves and then Goldberg does it and it's like, you know, quit it. Goldberg does it and gets it, looks at the kid that tried it first, just slides him a dollar. Like, you can't do that, bud. You gotta pay. So, moving on, Luger puts laxatives in the brownies he got. Hee 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 poop. Mike Tanay interviews the Revolution. Shane Douglas tries to put over the match, but doesn't really say much of anything. Jim Duggan goes to bring the brownies to Sting, but instead eats them himself. We then get, ah, this is the name for the match. I totally forgot it. It's the House of Pain match. Oh. Where everybody's just going to jump around. Yes, because you made that joke when we were watching it, of course. <laughs> it is the revolution versus the filthy animals. And so this is a cage that has a lid. The lid. It's Perry Saturn and Dean Blanco versus Eddie Guerrero and Conan. Eddie counters a double flapjack by grabbing the cage in a nice little spot. Eddie gets handcuffed to the cage and Conan co- finally like gets in the ring. Like I missed him getting like knocked yeah, out before. I thought that this was going to be a handicap match. Conan cleans house, hits a rolling clothesline to both men, but then we get a spike pile driver to Conan. Eddie gets fully handcuffed and, like, shackled to the cage. Conan gets fully shackled to the cage. I would assume this means they win, but Shane Douglas hits the referee. Right, that so, was really confusing. So no one wins. I'm like, what? Why did Shane Douglas hit the referee? Ray makes the save until Asia levels him, and then the Revolution hang Ray by his knee and work it over repeatedly. And I'm like, God, I hope it's the other knee you hurt because that this didn't look fun. This has to be how they write him out. Yes. This has to be it. Although they keep saying, oh, that like, like Rey Mysterio's knee is like destroyed. So, Maybe they just couldn't figure out how to write him out. I'll put it this way. This actually looked brutal as compared to Dean Malenko wins with a cloverleaf. Yeah. No, <laughs> and has the hold in for like five seconds. Like, actually, I wrote, that's Ray out again, I assume. Again. <laughs> Hopefully for real this time. Yeah, this was a, I mean. yeah, this was a dumb match premise. I don't feel the need to see this in in like a, like come back and be a full match. No, it probably will be though. Let's move on to a tournament match. It's the Total Package versus Sting. Luger gets his full entrance, and God, Liz just doesn't really need to be here, does she? She really doesn't. The only thing that she does is do the tearaway bit, which is always so smooth. I, I it wouldn't shock me if she has a stupidly fat contract. That Probably. like she can't that, like basically like can't get out of, or if it's just really good pay and she's just like. Well, I'm saying. Well, I, I'm saying. Oh, they can't fire her. Yeah. Mm, okay. Eh, I I know eventually uh, Vince Russo will do his best because, from what I've heard, it's going to basically be um, Luger tries to turn her back into like eye candy and like she's going to get partnered up with Vince Russo and be oh. like, yeah. And everything that entails. It's very like Jasmine and Jafar. Yeah. It's a a good way to put it. So Sting comes out. He's fine. Luger is shocked. Why aren't you pooping? (laughs) The whole time I was watching this match, I was like, Lex is just so pissed that this man is not shitting his brains out right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was very funny for me. So before the match starts, Luger points to his knee like it's still hurt. I'm like, dude, you're out here for your match. But he thought that Sting would be pooping. He didn't think he'd have a match. God, I'm such a fucking child because this is hilarious to me. So Sting dominates. So then while they're brawling, he goes over to commentary. So it's like talking shit to Bobby Heenan. I'm like, why? To try to get the match thrown out, maybe. To Bobby Heenan? I don't know. <laughs> like, dude, Bobby Heenan hasn't managed Lex Luger in like six years. I don't know, man. So Sting continues to dominate. Luger pokes Sting in the eyes and works Sting over in the corners. Sting regains control quickly. Two Stinger splashes, Scorpion Deathlock, which is called a sharpshooter. Right. Luger trips up the ref in a spot that I'm like, that both of us were like, how is the ref dead? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, he got his like leg sweeped out, but he took that, like his leg got cut off. He was laying on the ground, just deceased. So Liz Mace's Sting. Still not Mace, but sure. Yeah. Luger locks in the torture rack. Meng then runs out. Yeah, why? Because Luger was fucking with him and they brawled and okay. he got I mean, he got Mace the other week. He gets the, the Tongan neck grip or Tongan death grip on Luger. Liz tries to mace him and both of us are confused about what happened here. Because I'm like, it either didn't work or it didn't actually fire. I think I, I took that as Meng is such a powerhouse that even Mace can't stop him. You know, so to bring it back to Pokemon. There you go. She used Confuse Ray, and it's one of those, is he going to hit himself in confusion or do the move anyway? Yeah. He managed to fight through it and anyway. do the move anyway. So, Meng pulls Sting on top of Luger and the ref into position. Ref was fine with this. Like, Lily sees Meng in the ring. Yeah, but, watches, the, but, fully conscious enough to realize he's being pulled in by another man. Like, what? Just something about that sounded phallic. <laughs> Um, then again, it's Meng, and I, I will excuse any of these for, yeah. do you want to piss him off? I, no, I'm good. So Sting advances. This I was hoping this match was going to have a little more kind of story and stuff with it, but no. yeah. I mean, I'm happy to see Sting advance the tournament, because mm-hmm. basically it's the, t- the final four. I don't know what the combos are going to be. It's Benoit, Jarrett, Hart, and Sting. Okay, so that, those are going to be good matches. Yeah. Hopefully. And then we get the payoff for your, uh, for, uh, for the brownies. Backstage, Jim Duggan shits. We, like, start this by hearing a big, wet fart. But it doesn't even sound like a fart machine sound or, like, trying to replicate it. It sounds like someone going (laughs) with their mouth. Well, he also then gets off the toilet, and I'm like, you either A, like, one, you're probably not done. He's wearing a full-ass jumpsuit. Well, I'm saying, if you're still farting like that, you're not done pooping. Also, a full ass jumpsuit that takes a minute to get in and out of. I've tried to go to the bathroom in rompers before. It's not easy. Also, let's just say even for a second he was done. You didn't. Have, you didn't have enough time to fucking wipe. You didn't wipe. You didn't flush. You're just leaving that that bomb for someone else. Well, I'll put it this way. He, I don't know if he flushed or not, but it was in Russo's dressing room, and he mentions this, so it was meant to be like a, oh yeah, what turn me into a janitor? Fuck you. <laughs> Russo's dressing room, so. We're actually we're at the main event. We we got through. We the, did. Yeah, we got through the second half a lot quicker. It helps that it was mostly forty second matches. True. We get Goldberg storming out of his locker room in time for the main event. It is Kevin Nash versus Sid Vicious in an anything goes match, and Sid is basically like a full face now. It seems like he's coming out like slapping hands. Like the only thing he's missing, yeah. which he would do when he was a face, is going, "Who's the man?" Oh, I don't know that one. Yeah. It's like the best Sid entrance, Survivor Series 96. I just, I'm thinking back, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've seen full face Sid since we started the podcast. 
Well, yeah, because he came in with Randy Savage. Yeah. And he was definitely a heel there. And I think barring yeah. like yeah, like barring like a random week where it's like he's a face now. It's like no, he's not. Yeah, and yeah. Like, or, we can or, we can talk about the whole heel face dynamic thing again yeah. because I will die on that hill. But yeah, I guess he's face here. Yeah, this was like the most it's like they seem almost committed to it. Right. Because it doesn't help that he's also feuding with the outsiders who right. while they get cheered are heels. Yes. I will give you that. Nash and Sid brawl on the ramp. It actually starts fairly up-tempo. Nash is in street clothes. Mm-hmm. They brawl. Sid rolls in the ring. Nash works him over in the corner. Shocking. What? Nash in a corner? That doesn't sound right. They, we get a frame-up elbow from Nash, and they go to the outside. We get a very sad diving axe handle from the announce table from Sid. They trade strikes. Low blow from Sid. We get a scoop slam and a leg drop, but Nash kicks out. Sid works over Nash, including a leg drop to the groin. Not the groin. Sid stays on offense. Big boot signals for the powerbomb. Scott Hall runs out to stop it, and the two work over Sid. Goldberg comes out, finally. Fucking about time, asshole. Like That's the thing. I'm just waiting for him the entire time. We knew he was going to come. Like He was just hanging out backstage. We knew he was coming out. Double spear to the outsiders. Bell rings. So I guess not everything goes. Yeah, that's where I was confused because Hall coming out was fine. Goldberg coming out. No, no, no. But it's a street fight. Why? Or I don't even know they, I don't know if they said it was a street fight. I think they just said it's an anything, it's an anything go- goes match. Yeah. Anything goes besides Goldberg. Anything goes. But if your name is William Goldberg, fuck you. He is not anything. He, he is, does not go. He is everything. So Sid and Goldberg brawl because they have a match on Sunday in case you've forgotten. It's a fucking I quit match. Oh, God. Like, they just dropped that whole build. They really did. Like, to the point where, <laughs> I think commentary says it. I, I almost want to be like, did you, like, quietly drop that match? Right, but I guess not. No. So they brawl. Goldberg slams Sid, but Sid hits a low blow and grabs a chair. Brett runs out for some reason, clotheslines Sid to the floor, and saves Goldberg. And um, that's it. That's the show. Weird main event. Very weird main event. Wasn't bad. Went went too long, but it it had the feel of like a year ago. Yeah, Nitro, where like we're watching the time for the show run out, and like certain things haven't happened yet, and we're like, is it gonna happen? Are we just gonna cut to black? Yeah, the the only difference would be if it was a year ago, you, you'd, we'd see Brett run out, and they'd be like, we're out of time, and exactly. then we just go off the air. Yeah, but yeah, a, a Nitro of two halves. Yes, this was really a tale of two Nitros. The, ma- the matches you thought would be good were pretty good, yeah. and the matches you thought would be bad pretty much were. Yeah. I don't know really where that leaves us for um, best bit, worst bit, and MVP. I but do have answers for all of the above. Yeah? What do you got? Let's start with best bit. To no one's surprise, I think I'm giving it to the Norman Smiley-Jimmy Hart match at the very beginning. Okay. That made me laugh. That gave me hope. I thought it was hilarious. I loved it. I'm giving mine to the Scott Hall-Chris Benoit match. Obviously. You know the Gordon Ramsay meme of like, finally, some good fucking food? Like, finally, a good fucking match. Honorable mention to the pinata match, again, for the hilarity. For for the, well. For the pinata miming, I guess. Just for what happened in the ring. It was funny. For the chaos energy of the pinata falling. Chaos energy, yeah. Emily, what's the worst bit? Um, I don't think we need to even uh, talk about what it could possibly be. It's fucking Oklahoma. Yeah. Is is there anything else? If Oklahoma hadn't been on the show, would you have given one? I think I did have something else. Yeah, I think it was the pinata match was also the the worst bit contender for me. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> and Emily, who is your MVP? Give it to Bret Hart. He's so no no nonsense. He's like, we're gonna get this shit done. We're gonna have a good match, and then I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna get the fuck out of here for all your stupid nonsense. 
I'm going to keep you bitches in line, and then I'm going to fucking leave. In a little bit of a bizarro world, you're picking Bret Hart. I think I'm going to go with Jimmy Hart. Really? <laughs> Jimmy Hart made me laugh during that match. Yes. And and we were, I mean, for the same reason you gave it best bit. It was one of those where we were not looking forward to this. And as soon as I saw Jimmy Hart in a fucking knight's armor, I went, you know, everything's going to be, be okay. okay. Oh, but that's going to do it for uh, this episode of the Butts in the Seeds podcast. We made it through. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter. That's still up. Again, I don't think that's dying quite as fast as we thought it would be the other week. If it does die, everything will be transferred over to the Instagram. We will post about the new episodes with the new links in the bio there. And I will do better. Yeah. And we're still on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's at Butts in the Pod. And you can listen to all of our back catalog, which has been safely transferred over. Crisis Ooh. averted, I think. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Sounder goes down at like the end of January. So February 1st, you can't listen to anything. Please tweet at us. Please. Although I will be checking all this. Oh, you can listen to all the back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and maybe some new places. I don't know where the, the new host site automatically uploads us. If you see we're on one service and not the not another one that you usually listen to, tweet at us. We will get on that. If you're not on social media and you notice any of that and you still want to let us know, we do have an email. It's just buttsintheseatspodcast at gmail.com. We don't use that often, but if you need to get in contact with us, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Emily, any closing thoughts before we, uh, we, we go do a target run? <laughs> well, because this is kind of our Christmas slash holiday episode. Thank you guys for listening for the past year and happy holidays. Have a good, safe holiday with your family and anyone you celebrate with. We should be having one more out by the end of the year. And in that one, we'll gush a little bit more about everything. Yeah, I realized that this um, won't be actually an actual Christmas episode, but it will be a Hanukkah episode. So it's a holiday episode. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah to those who celebrate. Not creative control. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I could send this out better than that. So uh, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And I have to go to apologize to my Jewish friend real quick. Thanks for listening to the Putts in the Seas podcast. <laughs> <laughs>